Chapter Four of the British Army from Within by E. Charles Vivian. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Four: Infantry. The old-time term light infantry has little meaning at present as far as difference in the stamp of man and the weight of equipment carried is concerned. One infantry battalion is equal to another in respect of lightness except that some highland battalions recruiting from districts which provide exceptionally brawny specimens of humanity obtain a taller and weightier average of men varieties of equipment in the old days made infantry heavy and light but the modern infantryman is kept as light as possible in the matter of equipment in all units certain battalions possess and are very proud of distinctions awarded them for feats on the field of battle thus it is permitted to one infantry regiment including all its battalions to wear the regimental badge both on the front and the back of the helmet in review order also on their field service caps to commemorate an action in which the men were surrounded and fought back to back until they had extricated themselves from their perilous position or rather until the survivors had extricated themselves in another regiment the sergeants are permitted to wear the sash over the same shoulder as the officers in view of the fact that on one occasion all the officers were killed and the non-commissioned officers took command with noteworthy results yet another distinction but of a different kind is the concession made to irish regiments in allowing them to wear sprigs of shamrock on st patrick's day in the review order or full dress of modern infantrymen and in fact of all british soldiers there are certain buttons and fittings which serve no useful purpose and soldiers themselves even sometimes wonder why these things are worn the reason is that in old time all these fittings had a use the buttons on the back of the tunic supported belts which are no longer worn or covered pockets which no longer exist there is a reason also in the officer wearing his sash on one shoulder and the sergeant his on another and in the same way there is a reason for every seemingly useless fitting in a soldier's review uniform it perpetuates a tradition of the particular battalion or regiment concerned or it keeps alive a tradition of the service as a whole to the outsider these may appear useless formalities but they are not so in reality the soldier is intensely proud of these things which make for esprit de corps and maintain the spirit of the army quite as much as material advantages the actual spirit in which the infantryman views his work is a difficult thing to assess one noteworthy example of that spirit is the case of piper finletter who wounded beyond the power of movement at dargai sat up and piped an amazing piece of courage and coolness under fire yet that same piper finletter invalided home and out of the service could display himself on a music-hall stage an action which was incomprehensible to the civilian mind but to the average infantryman there was nothing incongruous in the two actions one was as much the right of the man as the other was to his credit and finletter was typical of the british infantryman under the present system each infantry regiment is divided into two or more battalions under the old system each battalion was distinguished by a number but the numbers have been abolished in favor of names of counties or districts and two or more battalions form the regiment of a county or division of a county 
It is very seldom that these two or more portions of the same regiment meet each other, for in the case of a two-battalion regiment, one battalion is usually on foreign service while the other is domiciled in England, and the home battalion feeds the one on foreign service with recruits as needed to keep the latter up to strength. A notable exception to this rule occurred in the case of the Norfolk Regiment a few years ago when the 1st and 2nd Battalions met at Blurmfontein, one outward bound at the beginning of its term of foreign service and the other about to start for home. The infantryman is fitted for what constitutes the greater part of his work when the season's training is over, by what is known as route-marching. In this, a battalion is started out at the beginning of the route-marching season on a march of a few miles in light order, carrying rifles and bayonets only, perhaps. The distance covered is gradually increased, and the weight of equipment carried by the men is also increased, until the men concerned are carrying their full packs and marching twelve or fourteen miles a day service conditions are maintained as far as possible so as to make the men fit for long marches at any time by this means the men's feet are hardened and the men themselves brought thoroughly into condition while weaklings are picked out and marked down for future reference falling out on a route march without good and sufficient reason means days to barracks for the offender at the least and cells is a possibility the work of the infantryman is less complex than that of any other branch of the service. He has to be trained to march well and to know how to use his rifle and bayonet. Principally, given the physical endurance for the marching part of this business, he has to learn to shoot, and the simplicity of his duties is compensated for by the thoroughness with which he is taught. Then again, discipline is of necessity stricter in infantry units than in other branches of the service. The cavalryman, with a horse to care for, as well as himself and his arms and equipment, and the driver or gunner of artillery, with two horses and two sets of saddlery, or his gun or limber to mine, is kept busy most of the time without an excess of discipline. But the infantryman, in time of peace, is concerned only with himself, his arms and equipment, and his barrack-room, a small total when compared with the cares of the man in the cavalry or artillery. By way of compensation, the infantryman is made to give more attention to his barrack-room. He is restricted in a way that would not be possible in the cavalry or artillery, in the way in which he employs his leisure hours, and parades are made to keep his hands out of mischief, as well as to train him to thorough efficiency. A brigade of infantry, consisting of four battalions, looks a perfectly uniform mass of men on, say, a service dress parade, but intimate knowledge of the characteristics of the men in each battalion reveals a world of difference. Each regiment has its own traditions, and each battalion differs widely from the rest in its methods of working, its way of issuing commands, and its internal arrangements. There is a standard of bugle calls for the whole army, but practically every infantry battalion infuses a certain amount of individuality into the method of sounding the call. The buglers of the rifle brigade, for instance, would scorn to sound their calls in the way that the East Surreys or the York and Lancaster battalions sound theirs, and conversely a York and Lancaster or an East Surrey man would smile at the bugle call of the rifle brigade battalion. 
the districts from which men are recruited too account for many little peculiarities in the ways of different battalions there is obviously a world of difference between the ways in which a man of the king's own yorkshire light infantry will view a given situation and the view adopted by a man of the east surreys for one is reet yorkshire while the other is cockney all through dialects and regimental slang combined make the language of the one almost unintelligible to the other and while each arrives at precisely the same end by slightly varying means each claims superiority over the other the spirit of the british infantryman with very few exceptions consists mainly in his belief that he is a member of the best company in the very best battalion of infantry in the service as for his particular arm of the service he points with pride to the fact that he comes in from a march and gets to his food while the poor cavalryman is still fretting about in the horse lines and he has no two sets of harness to bother about after a field day he slings his equipment on the shelf and goes off to his meal when the field day is over while the poor gunner is busy with an oil rag keeping the rust from eating into his guns and its fittings until the time comes to clean it thus the infantryman on his advantages and with some justice too but in the barrack-room the cavalryman and artilleryman have the advantage they can make their own beds and snooze when work is done secure from interruption until stables shall sound and turn them out to care for their long-faced chums the infantryman on the other hand has to prepare for barrack-room and kit inspections at all times he has to wet scrub and dry scrub the floors blacklead the table trestles and legs of forms whitewash himself tired on articles which to the civilian eye appear already sufficiently coated with whitewash pick grass off the drill ground and carry out a host of orders which seem designed for his especial irritation though in reality they are designed to keep him at work and prevent him from being utterly idle in certain hours the infantryman must be made to work to keep him in condition and if the work of a necessary nature is not sufficient to keep him employed then work is made for him it must be said that owing to the existence of undiscerning commanding and other officers a lot of this work although undoubtedly it fulfils its purpose is irritating to the last degree and might with advantage be exchanged for tasks which would exercise the intelligence of the men instead of rousing their disgust grass-picking is an especially detested form of labor which is common in some battalions of the infantry in most units however men are put to useful occupations in some stations where available ground permits gardens are allotted to the men who cultivate creditable supplies of vegetables for the use of their messes and flowers for decorative purposes another favorite form of exercise in which the infantryman is indulged with what appears to him unnecessary frequency is kit inspection at first sight it would seem that the circumstance of an officer inspecting the kit and equipment of his men is not one which would cause an undue amount of trouble but the reverse of this is the case in practice each man has to lay down his kit to a regulation pattern at the head of the bed on which the clothing and equipment is laid out the reds and blues and khaki-colored squares represent much time spent by the man in folding each article of clothing to the last half-inch of size and form prescribed by the regulation affecting the way in which kit must be laid down for inspection 
then come the underclothing knife and fork razor prayer book and bible brushes and other odds and ends with which every man must be provided if any article is deficient from the official list the man is promptly put down for a new article to replace the deficiency and for this he has to pay the upkeep of a full kit is most strictly enforced and in addition to the completeness of the kit the amount of polish on the various articles calls for much attention on the part of the inspecting officer a knife or fork not sufficiently bright boots not quite as well cleaned and polished as they might be or brass buttons displaying a suspicion of dullness lead at the least to an order to show again at a stated hour not the single article but the whole kit while repeated deficiencies either in the quantity of the articles or in the evident amount of care bestowed on them will lead to defaulters drill or even cells kit inspection counts as a parade and not as a fatigue the latter term is used to imply all kinds of actual work in connection with the maintenance of order in the battalion and varies from washing up in the sergeant's mess to carrying coals for the barrack room or married quarters to each unit as a rule there is a coal yard attached and from this a certain amount of coal is issued free each week for cooking purposes while in the winter months a further amount is allotted to the men to burn in the barrack room stoves if the allowance is exceeded and since it is a small one it is usually exceeded the men club round among themselves to purchase more at the rate of a penny or tuppence a man the fetching of this extra coal does not count as a fatigue in the official sense a roll is kept of all men liable for fatigue duty and each man takes his turn in alphabetical order in the performance of the various tasks that have to be done as these tasks differ considerably in nature and extent it follows that the alphabetical way of ordering the roll is as fair as any though artful dodgers getting wind of a stiff fatigue ahead will get out of doing it by exchanging their terms with those men who would otherwise get an easier task as a rule sergeant's mess fatigue is one of the least liked except on sunday mornings when it releases the man who does it from church parade of which more later for the actual housemaid work of the barrack room a roll is usually kept in each room and the men of the room take turns at orderly man as it is called this involves the final sweeping out of the room after each man has swept under his own bed and round the little bit of floor which is his own particular territory it involves the care of and responsibility for all the kits in the room while the remainder of the men are out at drill and also the fetching of all meals and washing up of the plates and basins after each meal the orderly man of the day is not supposed to leave the room during parade hours except to fetch meals for the rest it is his duty after all have gone out to put the boxes at the foot of the beds in an exact line that there may be nothing to disturb the symmetry of things when the orderly officer or the color sergeant comes round on a morning visit of inspection in a home station as far as infantry is concerned practically all barrack room inspections take place before one o'clock in the day and in the afternoons such men as are in the barrack room have it to themselves it is the rule in some battalions however that no beds may be made down before six o'clock a harsh rule and one which serves no useful purpose unless it is considered useful to keep a man from lying down to rest 
while guard duty is kept as light as possible in mounted branches of the service it is allowed to assume large proportions in the infantry in a cavalry regiment the main guard which mounts duty for twenty-four hours and has charge of the regimental guard room and prisoners confined therein is composed at the most of a corporal and three men but in the infantry the main guard of a battalion consists of a sergeant a corporal or lance corporal and six men providing three reliefs of two sentries apiece guard duty is done in review order that is to say the men dress up in their best clothes with the last possible polish on metalwork and the best possible pipe clay on all belts and equipment that permit of it and the inspection to which the guard is submitted before taking over its duties is the most searching form of inspection which the soldier has to undergo after he has been dismissed from recruits training the men of the guard do turns of two hours sentry go apiece and then get four hours rest except in very inclement weather when the periods are reduced to one hour of duty and two hours of rest experience has placed it beyond doubt that the two hours on and four hours off is the best way of doing duty in reliefs it imposes less strain on the men who have to keep up their duty for a day and a night than any other form in which it might be arranged certain men in infantry units and in fact in all units are excused from the regular routine of duty in order to fill special posts noteworthy among these are the flag waggers or regimental signalers a body of men maintained at a certain strength for the purpose of signalling messages with flags heliograph or lamps by means of the morse telegraphic code and also with flags at short distances by semaphore bearing in mind the average education among the rank and file it is remarkable with what facility men learn the use of the morse code against this must be set the fact that only selected men are employed as signalers these are taught the alphabet and the various signs employed for special purposes by being grouped in squads and after their preliminary instruction is completed they are sent out to various points from which they send messages to each other under conditions approximating as nearly as possible to those which obtain in active service in order to maintain the signalers of a unit in full practice and efficiency the men are excused from all ordinary parades for a certain part of the year during manoeuvres they are attached to the headquarters staff of their unit and carry out their work as signalers not as ordinary duty men the wagging of flags is only a part of their duty for they have to learn the mechanism and use of the heliograph since when sunlight permits of its use this instrument can be employed for the transmission of messages to a far greater distance than is possible even with large flags lamps for signalling by night are operated by a button which alternately obscures and exhibits the light of a lamp placed behind a concentrating lens the practice signaller is as efficient in the use of flags lamps and heliograph as is the post office operator in the use of the ordinary telegraph instrument though the exigencies of field service render military signalling a considerably slower business than ordinary wire telegraphy another course of instruction which carries with it a certain amount of exemption from duty in the infantry is that of scout 
the practice scout is capable of plotting a way across country at night marching by the compass or by the stars making a watch serve as a compass military map reading which is not as simple a matter as might be supposed and of making sketches in conventional military signs of areas of ground natural defensive positions and all points likely to be of interest and advantage from a military point of view the work of the signaler has been going on for many years, but the training of scouts is a movement which has come about and developed almost entirely during the last twelve years, which, as the Army reckons time, is but a very short period. It may be anticipated that the practice of scouting and the training of scouts will develop considerably as time goes on. Needless to say, the orderly man is excused all parades during his day of duty as such only in exceptional circumstances are cooks taken for parades and such men as the regimental shoemaker the armorer and his assistants and other men employed at various capacities attend the regular duty parades very seldom on field days occasionally and also on certain commanding officers drill parades the orders of the day announce that the battalion will parade as strong as possible this means a general sweep-up and turning out of men employed in various ways and excused from parade as a rule and their unhandiness owing to lack of practice sometimes results in their being relieved from their posts and returned to duty while frequently it involves their doing extra drills in addition to their regular work the duty man affects to despise the man on the staff but this affectation is more often a cloak for envy staff jobs as the various forms of employment in a unit are called generally mean extra pay in nineteen cases out of twenty they mean exemption from most ordinary parades and from a good deal of the ordinary routine work of the unit concerned in almost all cases they mean total exemption from fatigues under these circumstances it is not to be wondered at that the secret ambition of the average infantryman at duty when he has relinquished all hope of promotion is to get on the staff End of chapter four